Another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. This is a special episode. It's 223, number 223, and the second episode of the year, 2023. (sighs) Exhale. These are conversations that always hit my heart, and I'm so proud to continue to publish this, edited by our very own Lily Schmill, and brought to your ears to listen to. I don't take any of these answers for granted. I'm so curated in the questions that I ask because I deeply, deeply care about the humans that join us here on the pod. Today's episode is no exception. We're kicking this off with Jessica. She's a recovering dentist. She is a new author. She is about to embark upon a book tour and creating a consulting business about life on the other side of a dental practice. And I think it's so timely as we talk about a new year, we consider pivots, we consider off-ramps and on-ramps in our life. And while it's really wonderful to read about these things or perhaps even hear about them, nothing beats living it firsthand. So if this conversation inspires you to take an off-ramp in your own life, I hope you do. Beep, beep, see you there. Jessica, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, this feels like reciprocity at its finest because last year I had the privilege of being a guest on your pod Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful that we're kicking 2023 off with you. So fun. (laughs) It's exciting. We know you, we can Google you and discover that you are Dr. Jessica and you are also Dr. Jessica, the author and the Corker Co. believes so passionately that and is the future and and you can have many names and labels and, and you can be whoever you want in the world. I just want to honor that before we hit record, I said, can I call you Dr. Jessica? And you said, it's just Jessica. Mm-hmm. And I said, hold up, we got to go there. And then on the other side, I'm like, and you're an author of a really beautiful book and there's something to speak to there. So I'm going to put it to you and say, do you want to start with the doctor or with the author? (laughs) I like it. Let's start with the doctor aspect of it. Beautiful. Well, the doctor in you specializes in teeth. And Mm -hmm. what I really want to know is how did you decide to even enter the world of dentistry? Because I heard that dentists are one of the mm. most unliked doctors and yeah. we're all so scared to go and see you. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the stats are still there in that regard. It's interesting. So I decided I was going to be a dentist at the age of 14. And a lot of people who get into dentistry have some sort of connection within dentistry. And my aunt is a dentist. And so from the age of 14, I started working in her office as a receptionist doing sterilization. And at that point in my life, especially with the people who surrounded me, it was go to school, get an education, and then life will be good, essentially. And so the top five professions that I was deciding between was engineer, lawyer, doctor, accountant, and dentist. And because dentistry was familiar, it was really easy for me to say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do this. So at the age of 14, I put on horse blinders and I was just like, okay, I'm going to become a dentist. And I just worked towards it and I became it. Mm -hmm. And I got there and was like, oh my God, is this it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's really fascinating because even at the age of 14, when I would tell people, they would then say, 
don't dentists have one of the highest suicide rates? Mm. And it wasn't until I was in the pits of my abyss when I was experiencing burnout that I finally understood what people were talking about. And it just comes with a significant amount of stressors and anxiety and perfectionism on such a small scale to begin with. Exhale on that one. Okay. (laughs) So the stats are real. This is a deep seated, I won't call it childhood trauma yet, maybe. (laughs) And it was a vocation that you chose to dedicate your life to. And I think it's so beautiful, especially at a new year. And yet every moment can be the new year that we choose to pivot. And so Mm -hmm. you went deep from one practice and chose to pivot. And I'd love you to take us on the journey of the pivot. And I just want you to know that other people are listening to say, how do I pivot to? And the people that are saying like, I had a 14 year old dream and it's okay to pivot. And then we'll talk about how hard it is because let's tell the truth and it's okay to pivot and it might be hard and it's still worth it. So can you take us on that journey of over a decade in dentistry, where did the glimmer come from that you could make a turn? Yeah. So in dentistry, I specialize in treating cancer patients. And I remember there being a point in life when I just kept wishing away the next 25, 30 years of my career. I was like, I just need to make it to retirement. Then I'll be happy. Then I can do all the hobbies and X, Y, and Z. And I had fixated on that aspect of it so much that I lost the capability of thinking, okay, I can make that change. Now within dentistry, and this applies to any profession where you end up down a rabbit hole and specializing, is now you think that you don't have any other skills. And Mm -hmm. so you get to that point where you spend all this time in education or all this time in a specific job, and then you think, well, how am I supposed to make that pivot? How am I supposed to change if I don't have any other skills? And that's where I had to give myself the permission to say, wait a second, I do have a whole bunch of other skills. I'm never starting from scratch ever again. And even though I made this decision at 14, I'm still allowed to make that change. Life is really, really long. And I remember listening Mm. to a podcast and I can't remember what it was. It was one of those one-off ones that I ended up stumbling on. And they were interviewing a lawyer and a lawyer who had said the exact same thing that I was saying, but was at the end of his lawyer career. And that's when he was like, I wish I had gone back and made that decision to pivot earlier on, because at the end of the day, 25 years are going to go by regardless of what Mm -hmm. you do. Mm -hmm. So going to your question of it is hard, no matter Mm -hmm. what you end up deciding, it is going to be hard. But the first component is giving yourself permission to say, okay, yeah, I've spent over a decade deciding that this is where I was going to be, but it's okay to then decide differently. Mm, yeah. I, I think the word choice comes to mind. It's really okay to choose something else. Yeah. I was sharing that I just got back from a road trip down to California. And as you're speaking, the metaphor that comes to mind is it's okay to be on the highway. And when you take an exit, you slow down, you change mm-hmm. gears, you put on a blinker, and then the scenery is different. And then you get to speed up again. And it feels like those are three things that happen that we forget. It's like, it's okay to take the off ramp. Just know that you might need to change gears. Maybe you need to change your speed. You need to indicate and let some people know things are changing. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious how that 
change felt for you when you stepped a little bit away from clinical practice? How were your days filled? How did you structure life? How did you decide what was next and where you wanted to indicate where you were going? So I decided to move across the country. That was the first thing I ended up doing. So in the middle of COVID, had already started the process of navigating my burnout that I was experiencing at the same time I had been diagnosed with clinical depression and a generalized anxiety disorder. So this was about three years pre-COVID when I received that initial diagnosis. And I thought it was a life sentence on medications at that time. And so I had an amazing psychiatrist who I actually still see today. And he was like, no, Jessica, he's like, we just want to reset your system and see how that ends up helping. So when COVID happened, and the reason why I set the stage for this, because I think it's really important to navigate the next steps, is when COVID initially happened, he was like, hey, I think we should put you back on the medication just because of all the stressors and everything. And we want to make sure that you can still get to be you. And I was like, okay, great. My body couldn't tolerate it that second time ago. I was just so nauseous on the medications. But because I had put everything in place for me, I had done the introspection, I had made sure that I had taken care of myself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that gave me the opportunity to then decide six months into COVID that it was time for me to move across the country. And so I moved across the country. I wasn't supposed to move to Victoria until about that 25, 30 year mark because I had this massive plan. But then COVID happened and COVID gave us the opportunity to reset our expectations, to give ourselves the permission to make those adjustments. But what I'm realizing is you don't have to get to a pandemic to make those decisions either. And so those initial days, me moving over, I picked up a puppy on the day that I moved over. She was planned out to begin with. Yeah. And then I started to give myself some time to say, hey, you know what? Just explore Victoria a little bit. Just get outside a little bit more. Coming from Toronto, I had been very, what I felt, landlocked at that point in time. So it was getting myself out into nature and by the water and making sure I was cherishing time with this new puppy. And then during that time, it gave me the opportunity to start to explore saying, okay, yes, I spent so much time getting to the point of becoming a dentist. It doesn't have to disappear. I just don't have to do it on a full-time basis as I slowly start to make this transition. So I had already started lecturing on how to improve patients' quality of life post-cancer therapy to the medical and dental community. That That's when I started to, okay, let's start doing recordings. Let's start doing ways in which I didn't have to do clinical practice. And that ended up developing into other programs that I had slowly started to work on, but how I wanted to create my business that developed my speaking a bit more. And then I finally decided, okay, well, I had already been speaking on these topics. It's time to write a book about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, people pleasing and burnout. And so it all came together. And what I finally realized was that identity question when it comes to doctor and I'm Jessica is because my identity doesn't define my worth. Mm. My identity, even though I use it from time to time here and there, it doesn't mean that if I don't have that title, that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I had to work through mentally and emotionally because I had spent so much time and energy working for that title. Yeah. 
Amen. <laughs> I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter. We call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. I mean, as you were speaking, I'm like, wow, well, if you didn't have the experience, you know, I'm sure you had a book within you waiting to be born, yet would it have been that book? Right. And the book was born through a fire, if you will. And so here is the phoenix rising on the other side of, you know, a medical team that supported you, your squad that said, hey, Mm -hmm. wait, you are more, you are enough we can call you Jessica. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that it's a beautiful label that's called Dr. Jessica, because the work that you do is is really special. And the work that you do as Jessica is also really special. Mm -hmm. So I'm here for the and I'm here to support all of these ands in you. We are recording this live on video, even though this is coming out in audio. And I can't help but notice a whiteboard behind you. And when you moved, there was a little line and it said book tour. And so (laughs) this is called like off script, not allowed. You didn't say that I couldn't ask you. Yeah. What's your relationship with the whiteboard and what's happening with book tour? (laughs) Great, great question. So I'm just actually in the middle of putting the book tour together. My plan is to go across North America in the spring slash summer. And essentially, I'm going to be bringing my workshops around imposter syndrome, perfectionism and people pleasing that go with and are actually in parts of it in the book itself. And so from that side of consulting, which is that other Jessica, the and Jessica that gets to do it, it's strategic leadership and workplace culture consulting. And that aspect with the book tour gives people the opportunity to either bring it into their company as both the book and the workshop, but I'm also going to be going on it on an individual basis to get the message out there as well. So I'm hitting up a few of the major cities across Canada and the U.S. to start to give people the opportunity to change their inner voice because Mm. what kept me stuck for so long was that inner critic just tearing me down and thinking that that was the only way I could be, but there were so many other different avenues and interests and hobbies. And with the book tour, I want to make sure that that foundation is laid for other people as well. So if they are in this transitional period or in a challenging point in their life, that they know that others have experienced it as well. So the book tour is happening in the spring slash summer. Amazing. And where can we find your book? Mm-hmm. So you can find it on Amazon, Indigo, and Barnes and Noble. You can check out the title "Speak Kindly." You're listening, and it's actually in some local bookstores as well. So just give them a call, a heads up pre going in. But you can order it online. That is magic. Okay, let's go. There's three. It sounds like three aspects: people pleasing, mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, inner critic. There's four. Yeah, there's four parts four. to the book. So the first part's imposter syndrome, then perfectionism and people pleasing are one part, then there's burnout, and then the fourth part, which I call darkness. Mm -hmm. And that gives us the opportunity to explore a 
different way of viewing darkness. Mm. Sounds like there's some light in there and I'm there here is. for the darkness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd love to dive into to one. And the mm-hmm. one I would love to dive into starts with imposter syndrome, because I think that imposter syndrome is what keeps us small. It's what keeps us in comparison. It's what keeps us waiting 25 years or going after something because we think we should and all of those pieces. And I'm curious your thoughts and lived experience around imposter syndrome and what do you believe we need to know about it? Mm -hmm. It's a great question because imposter syndrome, I think, is one of those buzzwords that just gets thrown around and then we say, oh, I've got it. And then we don't do anything about it. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we unraveled what imposter syndrome is. So working at the cancer center and as a researcher, it was really easy for me to dive into the literature and figure out, okay, well, why as high achievers do we experience this and how do we then go about making those changes? And so imposter syndrome, let's actually bring a bit of clarity to two distinct things. One is the actual terminology syndrome. So it was initially coined by Dr. Clance and Dr. Imes, and it's called imposter phenomenon. It's not a syndrome because it's not established as a psychiatric disorder. So words are important. Words have meaning and power. And so if we start to understand that's what we're experiencing and we see it as a phenomenon, then we know that something's not wrong with us. So that's a key component of it first. The second is understanding, okay, it's not just self-doubt on its own. Imposter syndrome is self-doubt coupled with the feeling that you're going to be found out. So you overwork to the point of exhaustion. You explain away your successes. You underestimate your abilities. And if you notice that you keep getting stuck in the same cycle where you're preventing yourself from applying for that promotion, you're staying in a toxic workplace. You're not pitching yourself, you're sitting in a meeting and you don't want to speak up. Those are things that have you staying in a position of, well, I'm going to keep myself safe. And that inner voice that comes up, that inner critic, yeah, it kept us safe for a very long time. And you know what, it motivated and got you to where you are today. However, if it keeps you there, then you don't get to experience what you're truly capable of becoming. Mm. And with imposter syndrome, what I like to describe is the cycle that you get trapped into. And when you start to unpack the cycle itself, you can give yourself the opportunity to explore different ways of understanding how it shows up to you. And one of the key components is understanding that you're allowed to savor your success. You are allowed to share it. When we think about individuals who experience imposter syndrome, a lot of people don't want to share what they've done for fear of bragging and that Mm -hmm. it's a bad thing. But we have to share facts. We need to tell people what we've done in order to be able to not just come with the knowledge and the skills, but also to show our expertise. So when we get to savor in our success, we get to remind ourselves that, yeah, this is what I am truly capable of, which means then I get to use that the next time something comes up. Do we all at some point in our lives as human beings Mm -hmm. experience imposter syndrome? No. (laughs) It's funny. So there is a subset of individuals who just don't necessarily 
have self doubt. There's a part of individuals who just feel completely confident in what they're doing, what they're saying. Sometimes it's wrong and yet they're still confident and that voice doesn't necessarily come up. I was actually just talking to my uncle who's in the middle of reading my book right now. And he was like, I was trying to relate to times when I felt imposter syndrome. He's like, I've never felt imposter syndrome. And I was like, that is so fascinating. And so I've talked to some people around it and what the research shows and so many papers have come out with in different professions, trying to analyze the difference between men and women, but it tends to affect high achieving women more so than men. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. There is a gender piece. One of our dear friends at the Corporate Co. is Seth Godin. And mm-hmm. we often hear Seth's voice in the back of our head reminding us that we are the stories that we tell ourselves. And as I was listening to you, I was like, right, imposter syndrome can come from the story that we tell ourselves, our story around success, our story around bragging. And it's not often that we hear other people speak of their success and think they're bragging, or I'll just say personally, when I hear other people speak about their success, I'm like, right on, cheering for you, way to go. Yet we can put a label on it called bragging and then what does that mean? And what does that do? So what a cycle, what a trip, the journey of writing a book, would you do it again? 100%. I already Uh, start my next book next week. (laughs) Holy heck. Yeah. So I'm actually putting together what I call the speak kindly experience. And there's actually nine other books that'll come out of it. So I've got the next decade planned out in regards to books. And the goal is to then start bringing on co-authors as well to bring other individual's expertise into the platform but it will all center around our voice there's so much research out there around our voice and how we choose to speak to ourselves and how it affects us not just from a brain perspective but physically as well okay so 14 year old jessica planned out a decade (laughs) now we have adult jessica planning out the next decade yeah like a slightly rhetorical podcast question yet it feels really appropriate and I just want to know what would you tell 14 year old Jessica that had her next decade planned out Mm -hmm. as you embark upon current day Jessica who has her next decade planned out Mm -hmm. so I would say what you actually said earlier in the episode where you're allowed to get off at the exit and slow down and if you need to take a u-turn and get back on and adjust speed, or maybe you sit on the shoulder for a little bit and decide that it's okay. So to 14 year old Jessica, the decisions that you have made as of right now in your planning, I love it for you. Mm. And you also get to adjust it on the way. Mm. So if something changes, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. This feels like the perfect way to wrap this conversation. And Mm -hmm. that question for you is on the highway of life, literally or proverbially, where are you headed in 2023? Ooh, this is a good one. Where am I headed? I am headed into understanding the next step of growth. And what I mean by that is for so long, especially within dentistry, when we start and finish procedures within an hour. So turnover happens really fast. So our goals, our treatment plans, that sort of thing. And now stepping into this new realm, 
things I can see taking longer. And so from a growth perspective, it's being okay with those longer goals that take time. So on that highway, I'm just going to hit cruise control for a little bit, knowing that I'm still going to get there regardless of how long it takes me. Beautiful. I think that may be the wish for the people that are listening. If we're in your ear, may you hear that on the highway of life for 2023, it's okay to road trip. However you want a road trip. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for jumping on the pod, jumping on the mic, making time. Thank you for sharing your whiteboard and your book, your heart, your soul, and reminding us that it's okay to pivot. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.